Listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. So recently, there was a little bit of an outage. <laughs> I think m- maybe you noticed. You Many log people into noticed. Facebook. And and there are a variety of perspectives on that. And we're going to take a perspective that many of us might not have heard before, maybe haven't given much thought to. So we're going to take a look at that in just a moment. Thanks to Concordia University Wisconsin for your support of the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University Wisconsin at CUW. Edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us today, the Reverend David Federwitz. He's Regional Director for Liberia, Sierra Leone, Ghana, Nigeria, Cameroon, and Togo for Lutheran Bible Translators. Pastor Federwitz, thanks so much for being our guest on the Coffee Hour today. Hey, it's great to be with you. Thanks for inviting me. Looking forward to having some time chatting with you about uh, how the Lord has given you to serve with Lutheran Bible Translators. And uh, as we mentioned in the opening a little bit ago about the the recent outage, the, the Facebook outage, and what does that have to do with, with missionaries and those who serve globally and uh, and particularly the people they serve as well. Now, tell us uh, about yourself. I know we, I think we've had a chance to talk with uh, a few Federwitzes here <laughs> on the Coffee Hour and on KFUO. Yep. Had the privilege of chatting with your mom a few years ago mm-hmm. about uh, how the Lord has given had given her to serve and your whole family really to serve. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you're given to serve with Lutheran Bible translators today. Yeah, yeah. There's a few of us Federwitzes. I would I was born and raised in Liberia, West Africa, where mom and dad were serving with Lutheran Bible translators, and of course my siblings were with me in that. After after be, growing up and you know going through the civil war in Liberia, or at least part of the civil war in Liberia, going to boarding school uh, in the neighboring country of Cote d'Ivoire, I returned to the United States. I say returned. I was born and raised in Liberia, so coming to the United States for for college was was actually kind of like going to a, a new country. But while I was in college, I met uh, my wife, Valerie, and somehow convinced her that, you know, serving overseas would be a wonderful opportunity for her. And uh, so she so she married me and uh, we spent uh, 17 years in Ghana. The first 10 years of time in Ghana was serving among the Komba people in northern Ghana, we worked in the area of literacy, helping people learn to read and write their own language. It's not that we created a language. Uh, they already had their Komba language, but we helped them to be able to read and write it. And the, the intention was then so that they could read uh, the scriptures in their language. The New Testament was dedicated, let's see, it's been a while already, 2014, I think. And the Old Testament actually is nearing completion probably in the next couple of years. So pretty soon the Colma people will have the entire Bible in their own language. That is amazing. Uh, and the work that, that LBT does to have those translations is is really, really great. A great thing that's happening. Uh, share with us, what does life look like for the people where uh, that, that LBT serves? What, do, what does a, a daily life experience look like for these people? Yeah. So LBT serves in many places all over the world, but primarily where we are serving is people who are, you know, marginalized, you know, what we would maybe consider minority um, people in their own country even. And so they're, 
In most cases, generally, I would say that people are agriculturalists, kind of subsistence farmers living off of what they can grow, kind of living day by day. You know, so when there's, when there's drought, it seriously affects people, seriously affects their livelihood. There are, there are people that we work with who are, you know, maybe not agriculturalists, maybe cattle herders. And with with all these groups of people that we work with, generally speaking, there are there are segments of the of of their people that you know work in cities, maybe the capital city or a large city in the country. And so there's there's some some of these people who are quite educated, and sometimes sometimes they're just even referred to as the elites. And so it's important for us as we're working with these communities, not only to work within the the local community where the majority of the population is, but also to have linkages to, to these people who have maybe more means in their life, more education. And those people really have an impact on their, on their friends and relatives back in their home community. So what role does technology and digital communication play in the communities that that you serve through Lutheran Bible Translators? Yeah, technology is is huge just like it is for many in the United States and it's because it's to a large extent it's because of what I just mentioned. You know, you have yes, you might have people who are living sort of in their home their home community, their home areas, but they're they have friends and family who are, you know, who have left to kind of seek greener pastures, whether for job opportunities or for education. It's interesting when we, when my wife and I first arrived in Ghana back in 2003, uh, we did not have a cell phone. In fact, we didn't see any reason to have a cell phone. The only, the only areas that had cell phone coverage in Ghana were just the capital city and then two other cities, Kumasi and Tamale. And where we lived in, in Northern Ghana was, well, it was about a four hour drive, um, depending on what time of year you drove that, um, about a four hour drive from Tamale. So th- we didn't see real, any real need to have, um, a cell phone after, I don't know, maybe six months or a year, we did get a cell phone primarily so that when we went to one of the cities, we could easily call you know, family in the States, but we never really used a cell phone for calling anybody in Ghana. That changed quite rapidly. So in Ghana, and I'm going to use Ghana as an example, but it, I mean, it, it's sort of, it's similar to many other parts of Africa where telephones, telephones were not, you know, all over the place because you had, you know, they had to be connected with the landline. Once you had cell phone technology in the country. So in Ghana, that happened probably about the time we arrived in 2003 and kind of rolled out throughout the country, you know, for the next four or five years. So that by about 2007, 2008, um, you know, even in the village where we lived, we could get we could, we could get cell phone reception. I remember, you know, as the, as the cell phone towers were kind of rolled out along around the country, I remember there was a time where 
oh, I could drive either a motorcycle ride about 20 miles, 20 minutes away, and I could stand out in a field and I could make a call to the capital city or to the United States. And that was pretty amazing. I remember when we were able to get, when the cell phone reception, where we were just kind of on the edge of cell phone reception in our village. And then I, I discovered that if we put our, um, our modem in a certain place in our room, actually just on the corner of the dresser, just within like a five, you know, just within five square inches of the corner of the dresser, I could get a cell phone reception that enabled me to do limited email, no web browsing, just limited email. And then, oh, probably by 2013 or so, I mean, then we could just, we could browse the web from, from our living room and it was amazing. And so it was great to be able to see how this, how this technology sort of kind of worked its way th um, through the country over time. And I gave you kind of a, a picture of our experience as Americans living in Ghana for Ghanaians themselves. They also experienced this sort of technology expansion. And for the most part, what they experienced was on the sort of on the, the voice call end of things. Most, most folks that we work with, you know, are they come from oral society. So, you know, they just, you know, if they're going to communicate, they're going to communicate through talking. And so making a phone call, you know, so for people in a, in a remote rural location to be able to make a phone call and call their family or friends in the city, just from their own home, that was, that was huge. That was, it was like they had had been transported to a whole nother, you know, to a whole nother universe almost because see what happened before that is they, there would be these call centers wherever, a, you know, wherever they could get a landline, usually in a district capital, that would be like a county, a county seat, for example. So at a district capital, they might have a landline. And so people would, would stand in a line and kind of, um, wait their turn to make it, to make a phone call. And they might, they might make a, a whole day trip to make a, a five minute phone call to talk to a relative in the city. And even if they were talking to that relative in the, or the, even if they were going to communicate, they may not be able to talk to the relative in the city because that person might not have access to a phone line. So they might have to talk to somebody else who would give a message. And so, so when cell phone coverage reached sort of all the rural areas of Ghana, it was revolutionary. How did that, what other ways did the technology change um, just from them in, until now when, when cell phones are kind of everywhere? Yeah. So as we experience in the United States, you know, so you have the cell phone and then you have, uh, you know, the cell phone, then you did text messaging, right? And then it moved over to the smartphone and that that same kind of thing happened also in Ghana. And again, I'm using Ghana as an ill as an illustration sort of for Africa, our, our missionaries experience in Africa. And so what that did is as technology has improved and advanced, I would say, is that then you, you get to the point where people do have smartphones and are able to use those smartphones to get online, to browse the internet, but more especially 
And I think this is where our conversation is going more, especially to use services like WhatsApp, uh, Facebook Messenger, and, and other like services. We're talking with Reverend David Federwitz. He's regional director for Liberia, Sierra Leone, Ghana, Nigeria, Cameroon, and Togo for Lutheran Bible Translators. We have more to chat about with him in just a moment. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Today we're talking with Reverend David Federwitz. He's Regional Director for Liberia, Sierra Leone, Ghana, Nigeria, Cameroon, and Togo with Lutheran Bible Translators. And we've been talking about the role of digital technology or digital communication in particularly in the, the many communities that you serve with Lutheran Bible Translators. We've talked about how it plays a role in the culture, how it's, it, how it's grown, how it's evolved, kind of jumping, almost skipping over that step of, of landlines for phones to, to mobile communication, and, and then how that, that went on from not just cell phones to smartphones and, and using that, that technology in culture and community. What does that mean then for the work of Lutheran Bible translators? How has digital communication played a role in the Lord's work with LBT? Well, it has just, I mean, the only word that comes to my mind is it's just revolutionized it. I mean, it's just made things possible that were not possible, easier that had been more difficult. So within Lutheran Bible translators, of course, you know, what we are what we're interested in is getting God's word into people's hands in so that it can go into their hearts. Um, and so it's more, it's more than just translating the Bible into other languages, but it's also making sure that people have access to it. And so of course, you know, the printed scripture is, is just so valuable and, and, in the United States, we know the value of printed scripture. You know, we have our Bibles on the bookshelf. Hopefully our Bibles are in our hands, you know, and we're reading them, but, but we have, we have printed Bibles. And in fact, usually we have more than one Bible, but if we want to, you know, we might be able to listen to, you know, scripture in audio. And this is something that, um, in Lutheran Bible translators, we really try to make a priority in the language communities where we work is to not just have uh, scripture in print. While that's super important, and we we spend a lot of time and energy, and in fact, my wife and I did this for 10 years, teaching people how to read and write their own language so they can read scripture. The truth of the matter is, is that the vast majority of people are not going to go to a literacy class to learn how to read and write their own language. They are going to continue in the practices that they have had, which is primarily an oral society. So they're going to be listening. And so we, we have for years made a habit of 
audio recording scriptures, you know, even if it's a chapter or a book or the New Testament, we've made a habit of recording those scriptures and making those available to people. You know, so if you think of the technology, making those available to people on cassette tape, making those available to people on CDs, making those available to people on USB drives. And then I would say a, a more recent thing for us has been making that available to people in, in the form of an app. And when you get to the, to an app, like with a smartphone, now what we can do is we can marry the, the, the written text together with the audio. And we can actually, you know, if this was, if this was a video, I could show you, I'll try to communicate as best as I can. We can actually have the app while if you hit play and you listen to it, it will highlight the text as it reads through the text. And so people can play the audio and maybe that's, you know, their primary way of engaging with the, with the scripture. And, but at the same time, they can read along, they can follow along and they can realize, Hey, our language actually has, has symbols that represent these sounds that I'm, that I'm hearing and that I'm able to speak. And I have seen, I have witnessed this firsthand where people have learned how to read their own language by following along on this scripture app. And so that's a, a really powerful thing. That is really cool. All of these stories are just showing how, how much we've, we've just started to rely on technology, all of these ways that, that technology is important in our lives, kind of across the board of different things that, that we do. I and mean, not just here in the States, but the, the people groups that, that LBT serves that, that you've had interaction with. So the, the, the recent um, outage with what Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp, you mentioned that, that a lot of people rely on WhatsApp for communication. How did this outage affect the, the people groups that, that LBT serves? Yeah. Uh, just like we experienced in the United States, you know, that was sort of experienced around the world, maybe even more seriously or with, with bigger consequences for others around the world than what we experienced in the United States. And that is, so while the technology is available and, and people do have smartphones, I won't say that it's as smartphones are, are as common as they are in the United States, but they're definitely getting there. Even so, even though people have smartphones, there's, there's challenges because smartphones, uh, need to be recharged. And so sometimes people don't always have electricity or battery packs to recharge their, their smartphones, but they, there are these phones that you can purchase in Africa. Thanks largely to the Chinese. There's phones that are kind of a, a slim down feet version of a smartphone. They might be more like a, like a, just a feature phone, but with the ability to do WhatsApp or Facebook messenger, but not necessarily giving like a, a whole web browser kind of feel. So the challenge a lot of times is people being able to charge their, their smartphones and then also having, um, just access to data packages. Data is still. Uh, fairly expensive for many people, but, but WhatsApp as a, you know, as a, as an application utilizes data pretty, oh, what's the word sparingly. And so you can do a lot with WhatsApp. Certainly 
WhatsApp is a, is a texting, you know, you can do sort of the typed text, but WhatsApp also has this feature of being able to do voice clips. That means I can, I can record something for a few seconds to a, to several minutes long, even 10, 15 minutes long. And I can send that as, as a, like an audio clip. So people can hear my voice and they can then receive that and play it at their leisure. And it's not uncommon for me, for example, in my work as a regional director to, okay, my brother referred to me as a WhatsApp evangelist at one point because, because it's so much a part of what I do that, that when I don't have it, it's like my world stops. And that's exactly what happened when we had this WhatsApp outage. My world stopped. Because I communicate with partners and with missionaries all the time using not only the text feature of WhatsApp, but also the, the voice clip feature. And with WhatsApp, you can also attach documents, you can attach pictures, you can attach videos. And so what this does is not only does it help in communication just of mundane things or, or relational things like just greeting and saying hi. And, and that happens all the time where my friends and I will just We'll wake up in the morning and send a voice clip. Hey, good morning. You know, that kind of thing, just to touch base. But it also works really well for, uh, you know, furthering the ministry because I can take, you know, an audio recording of scripture and I can send that to a friend. I can, I can take written scripture even and copy and paste that into WhatsApp and send it as a, as a message of encouragement. Um, we have some missionaries in Nigeria who have been using WhatsApp as a, as a way of doing a Bible study, especially during the, you know, sort of last year, the pandemic, when things were shut down all over the world uh, and people just weren't sure what was going on with the coronavirus. And so people weren't meeting in churches and stuff. And so we're taking voice clip or not voice clip, audio clips of scripture and using that as like a remote Bible study on WhatsApp and people would give comments on voice clip and sometimes then give comments in, in sort of a text message. Cause WhatsApp, you can not only text another person, you can text multiple people by, you can have a group and you could have a group that's very large of several hundred people, for example. So that's the kind of, I guess, the kind of ways this technology is advancing God's work, God's mission. With just about a minute left, would you say there is anything that this outage brought to light that maybe we might have overlooked in the past? Well, I, I think it, what it what it brought to light is just how interconnected we are as a world, which I think actually is a really good thing. Um, and I think what it also did is it it made us realize we need to look not just at, at WhatsApp, but we need to look at other apps, other platforms that we can use just as easily and just as re not reliably. <laughs> That's funny, right? We <laughs> could use as, you know, maybe in, in addition to WhatsApp. Yeah. Hmm. Very insightful. And just, I, I really appreciate the, the meaningful stories as well, helping us understand our neighbors and particularly those who are served through Lutheran Bible translators. 
Our guest today, the Reverend David Federwitz, Regional Director for for Liberia, Sierra Leone, Ghana, Nigeria, Cameroon, and Togo with Lutheran Bible Translators. You can find more information at lbt.org. Pastor Federwitz, thanks so much for being our guest on the Coffee Hour. Yeah, it was great to be with you. Let me just mention this, that just like I said, it, in a lot of our the places where we work, we we record scripture. And one of the things that we do is we a lot of times put it together with their musical style in those contexts. And LBT is doing the same kind of thing here in the United States. And if you if your listeners go to lbt.org slash living water, you can hear God's word verbatim put to music. And that's going to be as we go into 2022 and remember the 500th anniversary of Luther's New Testament, we're going to be releasing that to the public. Very good. Very good. lbt.org slash living water. Thanks so much for being our guest on the Coffee Hour. Yeah, thank you. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golston. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Anywhere.